This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, Good News Tuesday, we share your good news, calls, texts, and some good news stories. Canadian rapper and motivational speaker D.O. Gibson helps us understand the amazing work he's doing to teach kids about black history. D.O. explains the responsibility of teaching kids, what inspires him, and his incredible family connection to Canada's black history, too. Plus, some really great music that he makes. And are you okay with grocery bags? Ooh, that's a hot button debate. And how about chocolate and maybe swimming in it? Or stealing it, for that matter. It's all on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. Good News Tuesday. What is your good news in Kamloops? We have Laura. Hey, Laura. Hi, Laura. Um, okay, this is a tip for maybe a uh, you know, policy next year. I bought the $3.99... Star Wars uh, Valentine's, 32 Valentine's, with 32 tattoos, including the 48 heart seals, and I gave them out to people who least suspected, security people, people working at the Y, uh, at the senior center, and I tell you, it was so much fun, and it cost me three ninety nine, and I still have eight left over. <laughs> That's amazing. And, you know, I, I'm a pensioner, I don't have a lot of money, and um, it's just something you don't, and I went, oh, I went to a thrift store and bought some some um, Valentine's things are uh, really inexpensive, and I tried to give them out. People go, like, oh, no, that, you keep that for yourself. Why would I want to keep it for myself? I bought it to give to, to you. I knew I was going to a senior kid tournament and I had to talk her into keeping um, a beautiful bowl with hearts on it for people to put the money in that one, the special one. I gave her one for Halloween. Like, and it cost me, sometimes it costs you 50 cents. <laughs> go to a thrift store, buy cool stuff. And give it away, and it will bring such smiles. It's such fun. You don't have to be rich to, to give gifts. Yeah, that's absolutely beautiful, Laura. Thank you so much for that. What a great reminder of the kindest little things. Laura, what was the look like when you saw in people's faces, right? Like, was there something in that particular that, that you took note of, so the surprise? Well, you, what you was it? You know who was the most surprised was people doing security. Like, you know, sitting at their, you know, let's say at the library or at, at the store, you know. I say, hey, you know, happy Valentine's Day. Here you go. Have a good one. And a lot of times I didn't write it in case you want to give it, you want to pay it for it to give it to somebody else. So I didn't write on them. I didn't say it to, to you know, hi. Oh, that's even better. That's cool. Just, so, you know, um, that, yeah, I would say the people who least expected had the biggest smiles. <laughs> I love so it. You, that's so great. You know what? It's like giving out compliments, which is really fun to do, too. The smiles on people's faces, and it, it, yeah, it wins because it makes me feel good, and everybody's happy. That's so good. Thank you so much, Laura. I love it. This is great. I can hear the excitement in your voice. You keep telling all these great things, and and that's exactly what it's all about. It's Good News Tuesday. Laura's in Kamloops giving away some uh, small gestures of Valentine kindness and love, which is exactly the best part, too. This is the Shift Podcast. One of the things that I go through here on the program, and it's a constant battle for me, is the checkbox. Never want to just be the checkbox. Mm. We, we've said that with, you know, Valentine's Day and everything we talk about Valentine's Day. It, in my, my speaking, I will say many times over, if you want to find the clarity, change the topic. Mm. Talk about the exact same conversation about a different topic. You can often peel off the emotion and find out what's best. So that's where I'm going to start. I'm going to start with Valentine's Day, ironically, one of the emotional, most emotional days of the year. Um, and in my conversations with Melanie and everyone else, what is Valentine's Day? Mm. Well, it's a Hallmark holiday. And it's a really great opportunity to also just tell people that you love them. So what is it? Do you avoid it because it's cliche? Should you love everybody 364 days of the year? Yes. Should you buy flowers for your favorite person on random days? Sure. But if you have one day that's designated for an opportunity to learn and just dedicate some time to a topic, why wouldn't you take it? February is Black History Month. And it's one of the conversations that is very important to me. I have a lot of friends that I've learned an awful lot about their family history, what they go through every day, things that they went through before I met them and they became my friends. And at the same time, 
I don't want it to be a checkbox. And that's why I'm introducing you to this next person because he does not live his life as a checkbox. That I have learned. Dio Gibson is a musician, rapper, uh, I'm just gonna say artist. I'm gonna say advocate. And um, is traveling around with a really great uh, message right now. Uh, Dio, thanks for being here, appreciate you. Oh yeah. It's great, hey? So you are in Southern Ontario now. You are from Edmonton. From Won't the Saskatchewan. You. My, my yeah. uncle and my cousin, um, he's in the military. So I always tell kids, thank you for your service when you see somebody in the military. And, you know, my godson lives there. So I, I can't wait to get out to the Junos, though. It's going to be great in Edmonton. Yeah, well, you know, there's so much going on in your life right now. Um, let's talk about the music stuff first. Um, you are an advocate for the topics I was just talking about, but let's get to know Dio here. Um, tell me about your music, and uh, I'm really, to be honest, mostly curious about who inspires you to be such an advocate for all of these different topics that you're living into. I think that's the coolest part. Let's learn about the music and that end of you first. It really comes from my parents. Um, I think for me, it was growing up as a kid in Stratford, Ontario, and I remember one of my earliest memories is just playing at the playground. And these kids were saying, eeny, meeny, miny, mo." And then they said a word and everybody laughed. And I didn't know what the word meant. I didn't uh. realize that I looked different. I, I knew I looked different, but I didn't know that this word meant something. And a month later, I had a book in the mail. My mom got this subscription service to this, these books, The Value Of. And I got a book called The Value of Courage. And it's the story of Jackie Robinson. Because growing up in the 80s, baseball was our favorite sport. It wasn't basketball, it wasn't football. You know, it could have been hockey, but I love baseball. And so when I read about Jackie Robinson, I realized he got called that same word that I was called. And what did he do? His courage was not built on fighting with his fists or saying something mean back to somebody. It was to try to be the best baseball player he could be, to use that as an outlet. And when I was in grade five and we had to do a speech, I did mine on Jackie Robinson. And I always remember my best friend, Matt Gardner, what he said to me afterwards, because he was like, Dwayne, like, don't take any offense. I never thought of you as black. And for him to realize through baseball, through that metaphor, of what you go through as a black person just really sunk in. And that's kind of when I realized that by telling these stories of black history, racialized kids can understand, but everybody can understand, Canadians can understand. And that's really what it meant to me was connecting through with history through stories. And that's what I try to do with my music and my message. The Black History Month notion is so incredibly important because it gives us this opportunity to hit pause and learn. And I have a friend of mine, his name is Brandon Alexander, and I have this conversation with him. He's a black man. And he he helps me an awful lot with insight to say, okay, well, how do I how do I get into this and take a stand for it and and get all wrapped up in it? Make sure I do it right, I ask him. He said to me, he said, well, first thing you do is you stop worrying about doing it right because you're doing it. You do it all day. You text me that you love me and you support me and everything that I do and you listen to me when I have a bad day. He said, that's what it looks like, truly. He said, just don't forget, keep doing what you're doing when it comes to being yourself every day and when you have an opportunity like Black History Month, just take it and talk about it and See, amplify it. How I, does that I, land for you? I think that's really important because I grew up in, Stratford and Sault Ste. Marie and Sarnia. And in those communities, I'm with white guys, white women as well, white people. And I learned that when people were talking to me, to see where they're at and not judge them for that. Um, and I think that sometimes, you know, if we reinforce these things, oh, you should know this, you should know how to talk to a black person, or you shouldn't ask this question. No, that's not true. It's great when you have a friendship because you can learn so much. You know, I can learn so much when I take an Uber and I, I'm in Brampton right now, so it might be a Sikh driver. And I can learn about what being Sikh is versus 
being from India and being from Pakistan, I can have a, a greater understanding and appreciation of it. Because when I grew up, I was in Sault Ste. Marie. And at my high school, there was only one other black person, but there was a lot of indigenous people. And I learned from just hanging out with them or how they had my back. And I think it's so important to just learn from each other. And, and we all have to learn from that common place. So I think it just comes from an understanding and a friendship and coming with compassion. How do we, um, how do we keep that alive? I mean, uh, 11 months of the year to me are more important than the one month, but the one month is incredibly important and distinct and that we take time to hit pause in the month. So it sounds like these are things that we're doing anyway. And is it possible we get wrapped up in our heads leading to this question in today's world? And I say this without any diminishment either, just to be clear. Mm. Today's world, we've come so far versus 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. But at the same point, we have not come far enough with attitudes, assumptions. I think some of the um, unconscious carryover of generations mm. past of attitudes, language, and words. Um, so is it more difficult today to get in front of uh, for you, when you get in front of kids and you're you're rapping songs, singing songs, and it's more diverse than ever before. It's more welcoming than ever before. But at the same time, we haven't come very far in a lot of ways. Is that more complicated than generations past, what they've gone through? Well, it's also COVID. <laughs> and I say that because it's so weird when you think about history and you think about like how we will reflect on these last few years because COVID intersected with George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. Yep. And you had so many people that would all of a sudden want to talk to me, not just in February now, now in the summer months, about Black issues. And people analyzing their own life and saying like, you know, people in high school that I went to, like, was I being racist to you? Or I didn't realize what you went through. And because I grew up in these communities, I'm able to talk to them. But what I've noticed since that I can go back into schools in person is the genuineness of that sentiment. And I am so appreciative that people are actually taking steps to make change because change does not happen overnight. Sam Cooke used to say, change going to come. But change does not happen overnight. But we're seeing that progress. And I, I'm glad with what you said because I, I guess I am controversial in the sense that I am somebody who says we have come a long way. Every day I talk about Martin Luther King and people know the speech, I have a dream. But what he's saying, it's not the color of your skin, it's the content of your character. The context of that is that was segregation. So there was a time where if you were black, not only were you not going to the same school as a white kid, you couldn't drink from the same water fountain. Yeah. And to me, that's the thing that really hits kids. Because I do this in front of four-year-olds, junior kindergarten. How am I going to explain segregation? All I say to them is, you guys ever use your water fountain? Does your water fountain look like this? And I put a picture that says colored and white. And to me, that really signifies how far we've come. We're not there all the way. Towards the end of my presentation, I talk about Barack Obama. Because for a kid now who's 14, they've grown up with Barack Obama. Since they were four years old, they saw that in the United States of America, there's a black man who is president. There's a black man who's never had any ounce of controversy, who's been married, has never been accused of cheating on his wife, who's not partying or got a DUI, he's had an impeccable record. But kids take that for granted. Whereas I say to myself, my grandfather and my grandmother, they never thought that the day would come that there would be a black president of the United States in their grandchild or their great-grandchild's you know, life. So I look at that change and I say, we are making change. It's quite powerful. Um, who's the most influential person to you? I'm going to ask two ways. Number sure. one, in close proximity. Sure. Um, you know, you, you speak of, you know, grandparents and parents and all those things. Um, but at the same time, 
I would say out of proximity as well, anybody, and I'm not asking for, uh, I'm asking most influential person that helps you create this character that, that you stand for today. So someone who's close to you, like you can touch and someone who is far away. That is maybe somebody you've never even met, only read their work. Um, where does this, um, drive really come from for you that just, that keeps your heart a lit? My dad, because yesterday I was staying at a hotel and I came down to the restaurant and I set my computer down on just the bar restaurant. Right. And I just went, because ah. I had a busy day. I did four shows, a couple of interviews. And the guy beside me was like, oh, busy day. And so I started talking to these guys, you know, workers, doing work. And I just said, where are you guys from? And the guy said, I'm from Sarnia. And I said, yeah, what part? He's like, from the country. I said, what part? And he said, Petroleum. And that's where my parents live. And then we started talking some more. And I said, my dad was the minister at the church across the street from Tim Hortons, right downtown Petroleum, small town, 5,000. And he got up from his seat and he extended his hand and he had the eyes that just look at you right, not just in your eyes, but in your soul and said, your dad is a great man. Your dad married me. How am I just meeting this random guy on a Monday night and he's telling me about how cool my dad is. And that means a lot to me. But the one thing I'll say about my dad is I remember when I was just graduated from high school and I was taking OAC in Ontario. It's grade 13. Mm -hmm. So I was able to finish up by January. I had a few months off before I went to university. And one day my dad says, let's go to Detroit, son. <laughs> let's go to Detroit. Because Detroit is less than an hour away from Sarnia. And we went to Detroit and we went to the Motown Museum. And I got to see black music, whether it's Smokey Robinson or Stevie Wonder or Michael Jackson, or Diana Ross or Aretha Franklin. But then he also took me to uh, the African-American Museum. And after that, we went out for food. And it was just like, that's just a cool moment with my dad. <laughs> and my dad has given me so many cool moments because Shane, when I was in grade nine, I suffered through a lot of depression to the point where I didn't want to go to school. I'd wake up in the morning and I'd tell my parents I'm sick. And this is a story I tell the kids, but I don't really go into the depths of it. But what my dad did was one day he saw a notebook on my desk and he read it and he thought it was my homework, but it was my rhyme book, my rapping. And he read my raps and he read my raps like they were a suicide letter. Hmm. Because I was talking about how I don't fit in, how times are tough, all of that stuff. And my dad came and picked me up from school and he said, son, we're going out. And now he only took me to McDonald's, right? Like it's not a big thing, but he said, son, every Monday after school, I'm going to pick you up and take you to McDonald's. And he didn't force me to talk. He didn't say like, what's really going on in school, but he wanted to create a time if I wanted to talk, I could feel free to talk. And we carried on that tradition when we moved to Sarnia and now I'm in grade 12 and now we're going to Taco Bell instead of McDonald's. But he opened up that dialogue. And I think that's very important, especially as a young black man, to have somebody that I could feel free to talk to. I didn't have to feel like it's my dad. I have to censor what I'm gonna say. It was like, son, you can tell me anything. It's fascinating. Uh, you are a motivational speaker. I'm sure people are hearing that by now um, in the way that you speak. Um, so when you, what's your dad's name, by the way? Robert Gibson. Dr. Reverend Robert Gibson. I, 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 Dr. I, Reverend? Holy Dr. moly. Uh, well, Shane, and just very quickly, is I remember when I was 18, it's the summer, I was just about to go to university, and my dad is going to university in Chicago. He's doing his doctorate in theology. And I took the wow. train down from Port Huron, just right across from Sarnia, down to Chicago. 
And my dad's walking me through the streets of Southside Chicago. And I'll be honest, I was nervous. <laughs> you know, uh, you, uh, right in Southside Chicago. Statistics say you probably should be nervous. <laughs> but my Call dad, it for what it is. But my dad just walks like he doesn't care who's around him. And then you, you start mimicking who you're walking with. So I would mimic how my dad would walk. And um, I love that because I, I said to myself when he took me to church, Jeremiah Franklin's church, which used to be Oprah's church and Barack Obama's, I was like, it, yeah, I'm going to church, but I'm going to like a really important church. And I'm going to hear a really good sermon today. And sure, it might be three hours long, but that's cool. And so um, I always respect my dad by not just saying his name, but giving him his title of doctor. Because as a, as a young black boy from Cape Breton, from Whitney Pier, to see how far my dad has come, it's mm -hmm. amazing. Are you a dad? I am. I've got two kids. Boy, so I, I would say, in the spirit of uh, sharing love in this conversation, I would say that I, I, it's remarkable that you share those titles with your dad, but I can promise you this, being a father myself, mm. that that's probably his most important title. Is dad. Well, I don't know if this is going to be video, but you can see it says father yeah. right here. That's the cup. My, it's the father mug. Honey ginger tea, but um, my kids gave this to me for Christmas. And, and that's, so that's what I love about my kids is, yeah, daddy's a rapper. They've grown up ever since they were, you know, two years old. They've known daddy's a rapper, but they don't care about that. Dio Gibson is a rapper. He's a motivational speaker. He's an artist. He spends an awful lot of time teaching about black history. It is Black History Month. We continue our conversation here on The Shift, and we have turned to parenting and I continue here with Dio Gibson asking, is parenting part of the problem? This is The Shift with Shane Hewitt. Let's, uh, I, I did want to ask you this question, um, as you are a dad, so it's good timing. Um, do we have a parenting problem? I mean, we're talking about black history. We're talking about, you know, uh, I think race understanding love in general. But do we have a parenting problem today? Because I think we do. I, I'm not going to leave you out on the, you know, on, on that one on the hook all by yourself. I think we have a parenting problem today. And I think we need to acknowledge that when I, my kids are 16 and 17, they need me now more than ever. But I, I see parents that are so far tuned out that how do you resonate through these things when you don't have a lot of help at home from many parents? How much time do we have? <laughs> no, yeah, uh, we take no, as much time I, as we I, need. No, I, I'm just joking. But uh, it, last night I did a parents night performance. And at the end of it, um, a black mother came up to me with her daughter and she said, um, can you give my daughter some advice? Can you tell her that she has to try hard in school? Yeah. And I, you know, I'm going to give the advice, but, you know, it's difficult being a father. It's difficult being a parent. One of the things that is hard for me is to accept that my kids don't love reading that it's like I have to force them to read, that they think it's punishment. And that's my guilty, you know, part of being a parent because I know my parents really encouraged me to read and I want my kids to read. But I realized this young generation, they don't read like we used to. And a lot of it has to do with attention spans. And I love TikTok. I'm an artist, so I have to be on TikTok. But it's the swipe up as soon as something doesn't hit your brain. Whereas when you read a book, and it's not just for you have to read a chapter for homework, but when you actually get into a book and you read it for an hour and you're just engrossed in it, that's what I want my kids to be able to do because I know what that did for me. And so I just think that's such an important thing. But I love that kids nowadays, they do have an independence coming out of COVID and they're starting to find more of a sense of themselves, I would like to believe, out of that time because they had to spend so much time by themselves. They had to spend so much time for two years by themselves or with their brother and sister, maybe with a parent, um, but it was such a challenging time for them. And I think we can't discount the resiliency because I've seen these kids from coast to coast 
bounce back from that. Because let's be honest, COVID was tough for all of us. And now we're starting to finally come to terms with it. But forget us, COVID was really hard for kids. So I love seeing my kids and other kids that I see across the country, their resiliency. This conversation started about, you know, Black History Month and all those things. But what I'm starting to realize here, Dwayne, is that this is um, this is what the conversation sounds like, isn't it? It, yeah. it? it really is just getting to know the fact that there's a guy whose dad worked hard to get his doctorate. He's a reverend. He raised mm. a boy who you know, does music for adults, but also does music for kids and and goes into those schools and tries to be a role model. I mean, is that that's really all it is? Am I hearing it right? And you are, but to add on to that is, uh, yesterday I got asked a question I haven't heard for a long time, man. What's that? Well, it, it's not so much a question, but it's more of, I used to get this every single day. You should be a teacher. You'd be a great mm. teacher. You, you'd be mm -hmm. great. And I say, my mother was a teacher and she was a principal. She took early retirement. She loved teaching. She loved helping kids but it was the bureaucracy of it. And so sometimes when I come to a school, 95% of the time, everything's gonna go great. But there is that 19th time out of 20 where, you know, kids are a little bit harder to deal with or the staff really isn't in tune, but I'm able to leave after one hour. If you're a teacher, you have to deal with us all the time. And I guess what I'm really pointing out to is last week at a school, I dealt with a kid in the audience with special need. And he was laying on the stage at the beginning of the presentation and kind of kicking and moving his hand. And I was like, okay. And then when I'm doing my presentation, he came up to me in the middle of it. And he put his hands on me and just started adjusting my zipper on my jacket. Okay. And then he went and drank my water. <laughs> and then he turned off the projector. Now, as a professional, I could say to myself, guys, you guys got to get this kid out of here. He's disrupting the whole show. They're looking at him. They're not looking at me. But I said to myself, it's good that he's here, that he gets a chance to be part of this. And also... I'm leaving in 35 more minutes. These teachers are with this kid every single day. And that must be a challenge. But they chose to bring him here. They didn't want to exclude him. They wanted to include him. So the mm -hmm. least thing I could do is to put my ego to the side and just roll with it. And I just roll with it. Because teachers, they work so hard and they have to put up with so much not just from students they have to deal with parents and they come to school every single day and they work so hard beyond just that school day because having a mother as a teacher i know what goes into report cards and homework and i just said i'm very lucky to be in this position so i guess my answer to that question was i talk about my dad a lot my mother's white. She's from Saskatchewan. But my mother instilled me with these core values, and I appreciate her. When we started this conversation uh, with D.O. Gibson, I, I talked about the checkbox of Black History Month as, as a month. Mm. And what I'm going to take away from this, Dwayne, is that um, the conversation about Black history does not have to be – it can be about Black history – I met some wonderful people that literally have studied the history of people in Canada that did amazing things that were black. My takeaway, I think that I'm, I'm taking with me is that the conversation around black history and the opportunity that's in front of us is a chance to lead conversation about inclusion mm. that doesn't have to be about one particular topic. It can just be leading the conversation that sets the example of what inclusive life looks like. And I think that's what I take from you today. I think that's what you taught me is that sometimes it's just so much more and so much more simple. 
the question I get asked all the time, man, is where are you from? So when I moved to Toronto, went to York University, where are you from? I'd say Sarnia. I'd say number four, Sault Ste. Marie. So I realized that they're really trying to ask me, where's my black side? Mm-hmm. And, you know, am I going to say St. Vincent? Where my great-grandfather's from? Just on part of my family. Um, or am I just going to say Nova Scotia? And then I realized in Toronto, I could say Nova Scotia. And then they realized that there's a distinct black culture in Nova Scotia. And so what I say to myself is, we're from Whitney Pier in Cape Breton, Nova Scotia. So for those who don't know where Whitney Pier is, Cape Breton is an island in Nova Scotia. There's Sydney. And then there's a small community called Whitney Pier where there was a steel plant. So people in the the early 1900s from all over the world would come to work in the steel plant. Whitney Pier is regarded as the most multicultural place in Canada because, well, number one, you you can base that on the churches, right? There's the most churches per capita. But, um, you know, our house was right beside the Ukrainian hall. You have Ukraine, Ukrainians. You have Polish people. You have Italians. They call them Italians then, right? I love it. But the first black person to get the Order of Canada is my great uncle, Isaac really? Hills. Yeah, and he came over from St. Vincent with my great-grandfather, Robert Gibson. And here's the thing, Shane. First black person to get the order at Canada. What did he do? He doesn't have any noteworthy achievements. He worked in the steel plant. His noteworthy achievement is his kids. That all of his kids became university educated and went on to do great things. And again, you know, not very noteworthy per se of the first one to do this, you know. You know, his favorite or one of the favorite child was Charlie, and he's a school teacher. And I talked to Charlie last week. He's 94. And that's how I get my black history, by just talking to him of, like, what was your dad like? You know, how was he? And then two days after that, I just got back from the Grammys in L.A., and I'm going into a school, and I'm a little bit tired, right, jet lag. And as I'm walking down the hallway, I see these kids have done pictures of people in black history. And not one, but two kids did a picture of Isaac Phils. And they wrote about him. And I just said to myself, like, this is amazing. That like, you know, there's people in my family that help pave the way. And, you know, whether it's Carrie Best or Isaac Phils, I just can't get over the fact that, you know, I have a connection with these people. So while I'm glad to be able to talk about black history, there's a huge responsibility that I do it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can hear that. And I can hear that how it's, um, well, the story of the little boy and the projector, right? Yeah. Can, how can you sit there and not be a hypocrite and talk about inclusion when you're impatient and kick somebody out that you may not understand? And I mean, I think that's such a powerful example of, of living into exactly what it is. It can go sideways real quick and, um, and really cool to hear, um, that you're doing that. Uh, this is fan- fantastic. I, I want you to come back. There, there's oh, so much it, more man. to be had here. There's yeah. um, there's Canadian history to talk about. There's frankly Southern Ontario to talk about. Yeah. Uh, there's music to music to talk about. Um, there's teachers. There's parenting to talk about. So why don't we do that? And why don't we schedule that right away? Um, even though we're still uh, in the in the chat here, we'll get Ryan to get in touch. And uh, if you're game, we'll um, we'll bring you back because we didn't get to talk about the music a ton here. And I want to talk more about the music too. So let's introduce our audience to some of the musical things that you do too on another day and uh, and get into all these things. And, and be able to share these things. Will you do that with me? I would love it, man. Uh, I really appreciate you, man. Uh, like I was saying just before we came on, uh, I really respect the work that you do. And I think it's really cool. Like when I got the email that you invited me on this, I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Like, thank you. And then to see and talk to you and see how genuine you are, uh, I really appreciate it. All right. 
Thank you so much. It's very kind. Okay. It's my pleasure to meet you. And for everybody who's listening right now, the link's shiftheads.ca. I'm going to put up Dio's website so you can learn more about that and we can look forward to uh, learning about the music. Thanks for being awesome and your hard work. Um, you lead by example, sir. And I think that's pretty fantastic. Not to mention, eh, you're cool. <laughs> and, and I like Edmonton. <laughs> and you like Edmonton. We love 630, Chad. Thanks, man. Thank you. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you okay with grocery bags? Oh, this is a hot one. Oh, this is a hot topic, isn't it? I, I know that the, the argument is, you know, that paper versus plastic versus you know, tote bag versus whatever. I think they all suck. <laughs> it's just, I don't think mm -hmm. there's a perfect way to get your groceries from the grocery store to your car, except for one way. I believe there is one superior way. Now I have oh. never had to use this because I'm not okay. a parent. I do not have a family. All right. I don't have a, a large have a enough family? amount of groceries ever. I don't have, I, I am not in charge of a family. I'll, I oh, have okay. a family, yes. Right. I am not in charge of one. You have a chosen right. family. You have a I family. Have a All right. Yes. But it's the, the laundry basket method. Have you seen this? Oh. Mm -hmm. You go in pairs, you know, let's say you're, the, the, you know, mom and dad go in and then as one person's paying, the other person runs out to the car and grabs a laundry basket and you just put it there and you put everything in the laundry basket and then you take it out back to your car and then it's already unpacked by the time you get home you just bring it into your house it's all there i think that's the way to do it i think the way to do it is actually the way costco does it now i say that with the full understanding that we over package and waste a ton um yes. there was a, a season when i did stack groceries in a warehouse so I learned a lot about how many layers of packaging. It's like that because we're so vain. We don't want to buy a, a box of cookies that has a dent in it. So they have to protect it. But the way Costco does it, I think they do a pretty good job. All those, that packaging is there anyway. So you just grab a box, you fill that box up with stuff, saves you the trips coming into the house. And then you just throw it in the recycling and recycling's not great, but it's better than the garbage in most cases. So I kind of like the way the Costco does it. So... You know, the thing about grocery bags, though, is that where is the failure, right? Where does where does the failure break down? We learned very quickly. So paper bags were a thing, had no handles, and it was paper. Don't waste paper back in the 80s. And then they came up with, of course, the plastic grocery bag. And then the plastic grocery bags were getting hung up in trees and all those things, and it was all over the news about, oh, they don't even break down. But we got told they were better when the reality was they were cheaper, right? Now, what end do you want to pay the price? That's really what this boils down to because grocery bags that are plastic are cheap up front to make, but, of course, they don't break down the same way. Paper bags are expensive and energy-intensive up front. But they do break down. But how many times do you really reuse a paper bag plus no handles? So that's a thing. And then you have, you know, other options like Ryan's talking about still laundry baskets made out of plastic. There's no doubt that a plastic bag in the garbage is more harmful than a biodegradable one um, or one that's made from plants. But the biodegradable ones still leach those chemicals into the ground, even though it does break down faster. The environmental cost to make greener bags, though, the greener ones is also staggering. Listen to this. These numbers are similar to the findings of a 2011 study from the Environmental Agency in the UK. To offset climate change impact relative to a single-use plastic bag, they found that you would need to use a paper bag three times, a reusable bag 11 times, and a cotton bag 131 times. But all those numbers change if you look at the total environmental impact. If you add in the other 15 categories with toxicity, ozone effects, runoff, and everything else, in that case, in order to be greener than a single-use plastic bag, bio Integratable plastic bags, paper bags, and reusable plastic bags need to be used about 40 to 50 times each, and cotton bags need to be reused 7,100 times. That means even if you grocery shop three times per week, you need that same cotton bag for the next 45 years to have the same impact as using over 7,000 single-use bags. So why would grocery stores, if you have to use that same cotton bag for seven or for 40 years, 
Why would why would grocery stores want to get rid of plastic bags? Well, it's a great marketing point to sound trendy, for sure. Saves them a bunch of money, which, by the way, cotton bags is actually not what most of us are buying at the grocery store. Most of them are made from polyesters. Now, despite, oh, that was from a, from a SciShow on YouTube, by the way, uh, SCI-Show. Despite those facts, Fortino's, owned by Loblaws, has uh, indicated to its shoppers through its flyers that across the GTA, they're going to be saying goodbye to plastic bags, effective March 2nd. In my community, that has already happened at Walmart. Food basic stores have phased out their plastic bags. Metro spokesperson Stephanie Bonk said in an email, uh, Metro stores will soon follow on the spring. The sale of single-use plastics will also be prohibited as of December 2023. That one's going to be a huge fight, too, because what is a single-use plastic um, is going to come up for debate in a big way. Now, at the Real Canadian Superstore, also Loblaws here, they also have the signs up that say, we're saying goodbye to plastic bags for purchase. And they say we're saying goodbye to plastic bags. And you know what they're, it's in the photo that they're offering as a replacement? A hard plastic bin. Buy the hard plastic bin to take your groceries out. Now, we just heard that, you know, it's about 130 times for a bag. The energy consumption, about four times for a paper bag. And based on one time, one single-use plastic bags, which most people don't single-use those plastic bags. They at least get used for garbage bags. So when you look at this, really, we had single-use plastic bags, which were not great, especially for breakdown. And then people at least use them for garbage bags. Garbage bags, for the most part, are also not great for breakdown, but we use them for garbage all the time. So we had a a single-use plastic bag that was, in most cases, used more than once. And now we've just done nothing but traded that for polyester bags, plastic bins, and cotton bags that have to be used like 7,000 times to balance the environmental impact. All of that we have done, and the only real benefit is it saves the grocery stores money. In fact, it's safe to say that some of them will be profiteering from it. So all of that being said, are you okay with grocery bags? I do like what, I mean, I realize they leach the chemicals out, but Calgary Co-op uses the biodegradable ones. They do qualify to go into your green bin, and they're not the best, but they do break down, and they break down quite quickly, actually. Um, I use them in my my little uh, organics bin. And if you leave it in there for too long, I mean, it will be broken down by the time you go to use it. So that being said, though, are you okay with it? And not to mention, how many bags do you buy that you have stuffed in your basement? Like Ikea bags are made out of like tarp because we don't want to use plastic bags anymore. Like we as consumers have officially been, we are the, we are dumb. We will buy anything that gets sold to us. I think there's going to be a black market for plastic forks come December. You watch. You'll be able to meet a guy in an alley, buy some plastic forks and knives for when your family comes over. Airplanes? Anybody? Order your drink on an airplane? Plastic cup? Right? That all going to go away? I don't know. uh, Your coffee lid? The new sippy cup coffee lids have more plastic in them than the old straws used to, and the old lids combined. Yet, oh, we're saving the turtles. So we are officially dumb. We officially use more plastic in order to use less plastic, but we feel good about it. Anyway. The best is the photo that says we're doing away with plastic, single-use plastic bags for purchase, and there's a giant plastic bin below as a suggestion of things to use. Oh, oh, what has this world become? Are you okay with? With a bit of a chocolate hangover coming after Valentine's Day. Are you okay with Hershey chocolate? Hershey? Yeah, it's still one of the best. Cookies and cream? top tier just the straight bar and i believe yeah m&ms look i know that smarties are like canada's chocolate you know with the candy coating you know it's like ours mm-hmm. but i just if you put a bowl of m&ms in front of me i will eat all of them like regardless of the impact on my body and i know they're terrible for me i will devour the whole thing mm-hmm. i love that stuff so good. i 
I do wish Smarties came out with like a peanut version, like the M M&M, and M, because I still choose a Smartie over the M M&M and M just for the basic chocolate one. But the M M&M and M peanuts and the M M&M, and M, the almonds ones, whew, that's good stuff. Oh, and can't forget Smarties ice cream is one of the best like tins or tubs of ice cream you can get is the one that has mm. the Smarties in it. That stuff is. Ooh, I might actually treat myself to a little bit of that this Ooh. weekend. Mm. But Smarties mm. Blizzard, all those things, right? You go to McDonald's, yeah. you used to get a McFlurry with Smarties, stuff like that. That's good stuff. Well, Hershey is in a bit of hot water right now. We should maybe not use hot water. How can we do that? Hershey's is in a bit of hot fudge right now. Last year, two <laughs> workers at a Hershey chocolate plant had a very unfortunate accident. They fell right into accident. Some might call this heavenly experience. They fell right into a giant tank of chocolate. Crews here cleared out about an hour and a half ago. The good news is those two employees are uh, were taken out and are okay. They were taken to hospitals in the area. Now, we're not clear if there was actually any chocolate or those tanks were empty. Dispatchers with Lancaster County 911 tell us that the two employees fell into the tank and first responders were called to cut out a hole in the tank to rescue those workers. The first person was taken out around 3.10 and the second about 15 minutes later. The plant is known for making a variety of products including M&Ms and Dove chocolate. A company spokesperson says they're extremely grateful for the quick work of first responders. But that's from ABC 27, by the way. Maybe when you fall in, what do you say? Ah, oh, fudge. Well, Last week. I, I would just get a flashback to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Exactly. And try not to be Augustus Gloop falling in the river of chocolate because you can't drink your way out of that much chocolate. Nope. As much as you might you like try, to, though. you can't. You try. Yeah, I, I would definitely try. Yeah. Last week, authorities fined that Central Pennsylvania confectionery factory for more than $14,500 following the accident. Occupational Cell, uh, Safety and Health Administration cited Mars Wrigley in the June accident, saying the workers were not authorized to work in the tanks. They weren't trained on proper safety procedures for the equipment. Knowing how to work in uh, small spaces is a big safety training thing. Company representative told reporters last week that the safety of workers and outside contractors is a top priority for our business. Well, we have to move quickly to get onto this one because it seems only appropriate after that one. Are you okay with Cadbury cream eggs? No, no. What? Yeah, no, I don't know. No, no, they're weird. No, I don't like them. Any, any, Whoa. I don't know. The consistency just feels weird to me. And, um, I never like Easter was always just such a nothing holiday for me. And like the Easter chocolate was always far inferior to like the Valentine's and like the Halloween ones. So I just kind of, yeah, the cream eggs, not for me. No, really? I, you can oh. buy a full tub of cream of the cream though, for a spread. You can buy that in the UK. Really? So oh, that's heavenly. maybe on its own. It'd be all right, but no. All right. A classic cream egg commercials featured the slogan. Don't get caught. Here's an example. This little angel has a secret love. Such a devious boy, heaven's above. And she's simply can't resist. The smooth show of Cadbury Dairy Milk Chocolate and the irresistible creamy flowing yolk that will ultimately give them away. You see, I love them except for they're smaller and smaller and smaller every year. So that mm. sucks. Um, it is nice to not have to peel off the foil that gets stuck to it, but these new ones are so much smaller. Getting caught is exactly what happened to a man who stole 200,000 cream eggs. Police in the UK said he'd been hunting for individuals presumably purported to be the Easter Bunny. According to the BBC, the eggs were found when police stopped a vehicle on the M42 motorway. It added uh, officers had saved Easter for cream egg fans and the recovery of the confectionery valued at about 40,000 pounds. Don't think they saved anything because they're not allowed to sell them after that. Police said other chocolate varieties were taken from the site in Stafford Park, but the force appeared to flake on those details. Very nice. A 32-year-old man has been charged with criminal damage, two counts of theft, 200,000 cream eggs. Like, and they're all in his car. And if that were me, I would forget about them, and they would all melt. And then you couldn't eat them because you can't peel them apart, because that's what would happen. 
200,000 cream eggs in your car. That's a lot. That's a lot of chocolate eggs that it is right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The diabetes. But boy, oh, boy, it would taste so good. Like, yeah, that might be a... if you have that many, like, you're putting two or three in your mouth at a time. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Like M&M's. I <laughs> just like Ryan and his M&M's. This is the Shift Podcast. All right, it is Good News Tuesday ish here. It's the shift. Ursula is in Oliver. And uh, Ursula, you can be my Valentine. How about that? Uh, <laughs> I like that too. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Shane. It's nice to hear you back in business. Oh, thank you very much. How are you doing? Yes. I missed you. You know what? I didn't have my radio for way before Christmas, so I couldn't listen to you guys. And I was really upset. Now, it finally came home from the radio hospital from Quebec, believe it or not, because it's special, because I can't see, right? Right, right, right. Anyway, I had a test done, and today I got good news from my doctor. Everything is fine. Wonderful. Yeah, because I was disco dancing, and I could dance with Handy Andy. I bet. I bet. <laughs> you do have and a crush hurt on myself, Andy. hurt myself. Oh, my... that's so wonderful. So I Thank was you. out of order. Besides, we went to see Rebel Love tonight here in Oliver. They're from Oliver. They're a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. If you ever come out here, I have them perform for you. You would love okay. it. And what was uh, the name again? Rebel, Rebel, Love, yeah. L-U-E, that's okay. how they spell love, <laughs> that's what for Valentine's. South Okanagan Music Band, there it is, rebellove.com, I'll share that out with everybody um, on oh, the Facebook group too. Beautiful, you know, people all ages, and she had ballet dancer on there, so nice with her music, she can sing anything, she did ACDC. Mm-hmm. And her husband played heavy metal with this, and my husband oh, so was good. 84, and I said, oi, oi, oi. That's so good. Hey, we've got to uh, we've got to go. We're a little pretty short for time here, Ursula. But for those who don't know, when you're talking about disco dancing and going to see bands in bars and stuff, can I, I realize you've shared with me before, so I don't want to be offside. Will you share yeah, your age, please, with everybody? Yeah, I'm 81, so. That's wonderful. <laughs> the doctor said, don't do those things. I said, oh, yeah, who says? <laughs> <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, Ursula. Thank you so much for calling in. It's so wonderful to hear your voice. And uh, you can be my Valentine, too. Don't tell your hubby. Um, Ursula and Oliver is awesome. And shiftheads.ca, by the way, for the Rebel Love link, if you want to check out the Okanagan band that Ursula is talking about. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.